Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. And we're back. Today, our topic is automotive and the Ford, uh, the Ford, the, the Ford story. Ford uh, with its uh, original cars going back, back in time. We've got uh, Mike McLean, who is an automotive historian in the Ford, uh, Ford era, and uh, Barry Moore, retired uh, enthusiast, president of the uh, early Ford V8 club, uh, club number one four nine, and. Uh, their the actual year of the of the vehicles that that they're part of is 1932 to 1954 uh, uh, Fords. So uh, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for participating in my in my podcast. And automotive is uh, we have a lot of listeners in the automotive field. Um, so when I when I uh, we actually have a 1927 Ford, and uh, we have our, our location here on, in in Toronto, and we we. Uh, uh, Someone gave me your name, Mike, and uh, said, "Yeah, Mike's very, very knowledgeable." So I, we had a little chat a few months ago, and he gave me some some piece of information that was that was great, great information to to learn about you know the Ford history and how it. Uh, so you know, love to hear what uh, what uh, what you guys are doing now in the in the club, and uh, if someone wants to participate, I will I will add it to our show notes, and uh, yeah, give me some information about. You know, because because one thing I, I found when I was sitting in the, in 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 the actual 1927 Ford, it was it was really surreal. I was sitting inside this car, and uh, you could smell the old leather and 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 the, and the vehicle. And I was like, some father brought his daughter or son to school with this thing in 1928, 29, and I was just uh, I was just amazed that this was 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 actually a piece of history. And that, for me, is uh, you know someone's life was part of that vehicle and driving day to day down the roads of uh, of, uh, of some of certain cities, and uh, it's just amazing to to feel that that history while you're inside. I mean, you can look at a picture, but when you're inside one, it really you know you, you can actually feel the history. It's just uh, it's an amazing feeling. Um, yeah, tell me a bit more of how you know how far can we go back with the, the history of Ford and. Uh, and all the stories that you guys must have, uh, uh, you know, in your in your in your in your repertoire. Yes, of course. You know, Henry started back in, I believe, it was nineteen o two. He built the quadricycle, which is a one cylinder motorized four wheel bicycle that he drove and uh, kept for years. And then he started manufacturing cars from nineteen o. Two to 1907 and eight. Uh, through those years, he built a small. He got backed by uh, large money, and they wanted to build luxury cars. And uh, Henry did build some luxury cars there in 1907. They called the Model S, six-cylinder, quite a big car. And then, uh, but he didn't like it. He was, you know, selling exclusively to rich people. That's the only market they're going after.
which was in production right up until 1927, like the car that you that you do have. Right. And uh, built, uh, they built 15 million of them wow. all over the world. So he's, he, he actually put, I guess, the world on wheels for a you know, average man's price. You know, in the last few years, he was selling cars for... In 1923, he was selling a little car for, I think it was $235, where all the rest of the manufacturers were the cheapest they had were in the $700 range back in the 20s. Right, right. Wow. And, and, so, um, yeah. Mr. Ford's uh, strength really was uh, recognizing talent in others. So Mr. Ford did not uh, design or, or manufacture the the uh, vehicle, the Model T Ford, but the people he associated with were extremely talented in casting and design and selection of steels, and that's what made the Model T a success. Right, right, and and I'm I'm sure. So so when he first started, he was trying to make cars for the the very wealthy, which very, was back then. I'm sure was much more few fewer than there is now, um, and then I guess that wasn't really a good business case and. Decided to say, listen, I, I want everybody to have my car, and I guess he turned, he turned a, a, a you know, a path towards that that you know more of the mass production. Um, can you share any stories of that you know of that some of the challenges he that he went through during those period of time, like like how did he decide to pick which technology or which manufacturing process to make efficient to keep a, a low cost, a low cost parts. Well, he, he, you know, back in, in 1907, uh, he, and in, in 1908, he actually bought back all, he had shared the company with other people, and he went out and he bought the company all back, mm -hmm. and into his name. Right. And then they started production, and he adapted uh, the modern production line. He started it way back then, and, and instead of just a bunch of guys putting the car together, there was stations. Right. And, it was, and the car was moved down the line as, as you see the production line today. So he, he wasn't, you know, earlier, but like I say, he had lots of good people working for him, and he hired them, and he actually built a car of better metal, but did it all at once. So you know, down into the 20s, he started the, the roost plant, and the, the raw iron would come in at, at the ship's, and uh, a completed car went out the other end of the factory. Wow. Well, I guess it all in one spot, and um, he used a lot of wood, so he would go to a small town, and he would see that there was the wood he wanted was there, and he would open a sawmill and, and, and basically employ the whole town, and that's what they did. They built wood, or the early cars had wood, wood over metal f framework, and, um, you know, uh, I guess he was, uh, you know, a bit of himself. I know he used a lot of, like, uh, the Dodge Brothers back then. They were manufacturers, and he used them to build rear ends and, and that and, until he could get his own plant set up to do it himself, and that's what he did. And I, I guess that, in the end, it was all done in-house and saved money, and uh, he would pass it on to a car for the masses, as they say. Right. So you you were mentioning. Yeah, go ahead. 
sorry, that, that Rouge plant was one of the most outstanding plants in the entire world. It was uh, the only plant that generated its own electricity, uh, cast its own steel, and uh, formed all the, uh, the, the panels for the vehicles. And uh, as Mike was saying, the iron ore came in one end and the car rolled out the other. So amazing. And, and, and where, where, where was this plant? It's in some, for, for our listeners who don't know where, where that was located, where, where was it located? On the Rouge River in Detroit. Detroit, right, okay. For, the, for those who don't know. Um, and, and you were mentioning before, Mike, that, that, the, that he took his company back. What happened exactly there? I, I'm not sure. What, like he took his company back? Uh, yeah. He had a vision to see that he could sell cars to the, to the masses. Mm-hmm. And his backers didn't want that. They wanted to just build exclusive cars, or for you know big luxury cars. That's what he wanted. But he wanted the cars for the everyday person. So uh, there was a falling out right. with the you know with, with the people that were backing him, and he bought back all the shares and opened up a small plant in in Detroit. And started manufacturing cars. Wow! So like he, so at that period of there, he must have he had, he had to he had to risk a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of um, a, a lot a lot of uh, risk there to to be able to take the you know buy the company back. And I'm sure at that time was he, he probably didn't have the resources, the funding that he had you know later down the road. I guess uh, it must have been a, a pretty uh, you know a story of an entrepreneur that actually had some hard times for until he gets things rolling. It's probably a few years during those hardships. Yeah. I'm sure it's, uh, <laughs> he did have money because, you, yeah. know, you know, the cars that he was building were becoming quite popular. Oh, okay. Okay. They wanted to charge, you know, big money, uh, you know, and keep the very exclusive to, uh, you know, to the upper class. Right. 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 And, you know, he, he bought back most of the shares. Some people saw his vision and, you know, backed him, you know, stayed with him. Right. Right. Was he was he married? Did he have any kids? I, I'm trying to get in the life of Henry Ford, of, of the man he was, yeah. And, 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 yeah. He, he was a, he graduated, uh, he was a graduate, he graduated as an engineer. Okay. And he went to work in engineering plants and worked his way up into drafting. And design, uh, he did marry. He was married. He had uh, two kids. Mm-hmm. Was uh, well, one, one was uh, was legitimate. The other one was rumored. I guess uh, it's fair enough to say. Right, uh, right, well, right. Edsel Ford was the son, and uh, Edsel was a very different individual than uh, than his dad, but uh, a refined individual that supported all the uh, charities and, and the arts in Detroit and elsewhere and uh, fine gentleman. Right. Did, did, so you had, you had two boys? Uh, yes. Well, the, the one uh, was uh, uh, not acknowledged uh, officially. Right, uh, right. There's, there's a lot of rumors around. It's, almost, it's very clear that that's what, was, what, what had happened. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, uh, he was uh, uh, married. Um, for many years, his childhood sweetheart sort of thing, and and uh, and uh, but it was the only corporation that was run by uh, one individual, Mr. Ford. Mm-hmm. He ran the whole show, and uh, uh, when the unions started to come in uh, in the 30s, um, he uh, threatened to shut down the whole thing. 
right. pose it and right. whatever. He could do that, but he was persuaded not to, and so the Ford Motor Company continued it. Right, right. Did, did, did any of his family members follow the, se- the second generation of the, the automotive manufacturing uh, uh, plans or anything like that? You know, family members continued to keep his, to keep his, uh, his vision alive? Uh, yes, oh yes. No, the plants, many of them are still in operation. Uh, they've been totally refitted. And right. I think the River Rouge plant is making Mustangs these days. But, right, right. But uh, it's a very old plant. Right. No, no, no. What, what I'm saying is any family members from back then kind of like followed his, 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 his path as a family member. Did any family members of his kind of kind of joined forces with him and, and he mentored them in any of, or it was just, he was on his own and he, he hired different people for. His son Edsel uh, was uh, prominent in the uh, executives of the Ford Motor Company. Oh, okay. okay. But the old man, old Mr. Ford, uh, really uh, called all the shots, if you like. Right. But Edsel uh, was um, innovative. Uh, he was into styling and uh, helped to uh, promote the style in of the, uh, uh, after the Model T, styling became very important and Edsel was uh, key to that. But Edsel unfortunately passed away at age 50 in 1943. Oh. And uh, that left Henry, uh, uh, who was uh, somewhat um, uh, saddled with some dementia at that time, mm. and unable really to uh, properly manage the company. Right. So uh, at that point, the family has, has the daughter-in-law and his wife uh, convinced them to let the grandson, Henry Ford II, oh. uh, take control of the company in 1945, I think it was. Right. Uh, Henry Ford II was uh, active in World War II, but he was recalled because uh, the, uh, the company was on the teetering on the uh, brink of, of uh, bankruptcy, and uh, they needed to keep the Ford Motor Company in good uh, financial order. And so Henry Ford II, the grandson, of, he was about 24 when he uh, was t- taken over the uh, leadership of the Ford Motor Company in 1945. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, it, during that period, which, which year did, did the actual... A real disruption happened in the automotive in the, in the Ford Ford history. Which year was it? The 1932 to 1954, or was it a year where things really start to say, "Wow, this thing is 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 groundbreaking"? And uh, uh, you know, at one point, well, yeah. <clears throat> well, at one point, the uh, they had no idea what the financial situation was at Ford Motor Company. I mean, they they literally had a room with uh, with the bills to old and the uh, other was checks coming in and they <laughs> didn't know how they one belts the other right. but um, Henry Ford the uh, second who uh, was not not a brilliant individual in my opinion mm-hmm. but he was smart enough to hire what they called the whiz kids or World War two uh, people who were uh, 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 outstanding uh, uh, people in, in industry during World War two to help develop the uh, the wartime effort and these people were hired by Ford Motor Company, Henry Ford II, to uh, to open the co- the plant, the company up to uh, new ideas and new products. And and uh, so by 1950, 49, 50, uh, these people were running the, the company essentially under Henry Ford II, and uh, they they had a new product line. They came from uh, uh, they they were in first place in the 20s with the Model T. They dropped to uh, to third place when Chrysler 
became prominent in the 30s, but by early 50s, they were back to number two with General Motors in the lead at that time. So uh, they were uh, really uh, threatening General Motors uh, with the lead in, in production. Right, right. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> lots of period of time where lots of things happen at once, and you, I, I guess he was very... Uh, he knew who to hire and get the right people in the right the right place and very resourceful. I mean, the story that when you told when you when you you told us about when he you, you needed wood, he'd walk into a small town and found a, a place where they had great wood, and he actually bought the sawmill. That that was like that's a, that's an amazing you know piece of history that that helps uh, understand that sometimes uh, it's not it's not very easy to run uh, you know a a a company with with that many piece, moving pieces, right? Wow. That's right. Well, Mr. Ford was very innovative. He, uh, he bought uh, thousands of acres of hardwood in uh, northern Michigan. And at uh, in Iron Mountain, Michigan, they built the, uh, the wooden bodies for the station wagons and, and uh, the, some of the specialty cars. And, and the, uh, being a very resourceful uh, old guy, he, uh, all the uh, bits and cutoffs from the, uh, from the woodworking were turned into uh, briquettes, charcoal, right. and sold as, um, as charcoal in the various grocery stores. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, which is still an active company today, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, well, that, the company's still there. The uh, charcoal company—you can buy uh, the. I've forgotten the name of the the company, but it's uh, it's red, white, and blue uh, bags of charcoal, and and uh, that's where it originated. It's not owned by Ford Motor Company now, but uh, it was for many years. Wow! Uh, what was um, Kingsford Charcoal? Kings, oh, sorry. Kingsford uh, Charcoal. Kingsford. Kingsford. Yeah. You're right, Mike. Uh, uh, Kingsford uh, Charcoal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. It, so, it, and really, it was good, uh, even though during in the in the twenties, like twenty during the last few years of the Model T, um, there was quite a conflict between Etzel and and Henry because. The Model T was basically outdated in, in 1926-27, although they, in 2627 was the improved model. Uh, it wasn't much an improvement, but it was better. You know, the brakes were better. Uh, a few things were different than uh, when Edmo was trying to design the Model A, which was run from 28 until 31. There was a lot of internal troubles going on. Fighting because he you know, he wanted to go go to a, a bigger motor and full wheel brakes and you know just bring the car up to the standards of Chrysler and GM at the time. Right. But they're they made five million Model A Fords. Uh, there are many of them around today, so they're highly regarded. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a continuous innovation, and you know, all, all these years they're still making amazing cars and. Uh, Wow, this, uh, I'm just, just floored of all this information that uh, that you know, you know how, how he was able to, to to put the pieces together and, and keep the keep the company very brilliant man. Um, yeah, you know what? I want to hear a bit about your club, your club one four nine, and when it was started, and and uh, you know who, who who can attend, and a little brief about your your club. Um, uh, I know I know Barry, you're the president, and. And uh, love to hear more about it. How how uh, uh, how long it's been around? Well, we started, and, yeah. started, 
started in Mike's garage in 1997. Oh. Is that right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and there's a, I think there was a group of about seven or eight of us, and uh, now it's grown to over 140 <laughs> over the last 20 odd years. Wow. So, well, uh, we've, so uh, many of us, uh, have, well, we focus on the early flathead V8, 32 to 54. Many of us have other Ford products as well, which are, um, have technically have some of the same problems. But anyway, the, the club uh, has an annual picnic. Mm -hmm. uh, in Goodwood, Ontario, uh, which is kind of an easy drive, and we have uh, an overnight tour in the fall, which is coming up, and uh, we have tours. We had just finished a, a garage tour, a fall tour, with the color and so on, and, and uh, we have a spring crank-up tour, and we uh, meet by once a month uh, and uh, for a meeting, and uh, we have a speaker, often it's technical, uh, how, to, how to repair this or fix that or... Uh, it can be other related topics. So we have a we have an, an active, uh, growing group, and, and uh, uh, we're, we uh, some of our members are, are quite a distance. But our newsletter, we feel, is outstanding, and we've won an award or two for it from the uh, national club. So uh, uh, I guess that's a, our organization in a nutshell. Would you like to add something, Mike? Yeah, just that you know you don't have to have a, a Ford V8 to be a member. But uh, our, our goal is to, you know, keep them on the road and, you know, get them out there, see them running. And uh, technical is, is a big thing with the club. And, you know, many times there's lots of guys, you know, just, just the amount of people that are in the club, the, the knowledge is just amazing that is still out there today, that people love that car so much. Right, right. Now, one other thing, uh, many people feel these old cars, particularly V8s, are... are uh, uh, gas hogs and our polluters, but uh, a well-tuned early Ford V8 engine uh, will pass or would pass the old Ontario emission standard, mm -hmm. and also we can get 30 miles to the imperial gallon in overdrive on the highway. You know, so right. so a lot of there a lot of misconceptions there about uh, these old vehicles. So, uh, in some respects, a lot of things haven't changed an awful lot. You you can drive a uh, a late 40s uh, Mercury, uh, for example, and uh, it drives beautifully, you know. Just, it's not a struggle at all. Right. Anyway, right. Uh, what can you do? Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have it on on our show notes. You'll you'll uh, Barry, you'll send me the the link of uh, of, of uh, the website or the the uh, the the annual anything you want to share. Send it to me via email. I'll put it on the show notes and. Anybody who's interested, uh, this will be going out to our uh, automotive listeners in our in our network. And uh, now, if somebody is somebody's from BC or or from from you know from California or North Dakota, and they want to be participate, any way they can kind of participate without you know flying down, or is there any way we, they can? It's a conference call; they can jump in and, and share share their passions of the four V eights. Anything well, that sure. Uh we are, we are an international organization, and we okay. have um, members in New Zealand, Australia, and Europe. And oh, good. We have two other regional groups that are in Canada, and uh, one in Vancouver and one in Victoria. And uh, the head uh, group, I guess, is in California, USA. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's well represented on the Internet, and, and, uh, and our regional group, of course, is number 149, and we're here in southern Ontario. Good. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Um, what I'll do is you'll, you'll send me some links. I'll share in the show notes and um, appreciate your time, gentlemen. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, 
we'll, you know, again, thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll keep the discussion. We'll have maybe a second a, a second event on or a second podcast or something more more technical. If if the the request from our listeners or are requesting this, we'll have another one and go a little further, dive in further in the subject of uh, four V8s. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Okay. Thank you. Thanks.